1: Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. You're a growing business, which means you need every spare hour you can find. That's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in Slack slack is where work happens with all your people data and information in one ai powered place start a call instantly in huddles and ditch cumbersome calendar invites or build an automation with workflow builder to take routine tasks off your plate no coding required grow your business in slack visit slack.com to get started go behind the wheel under the hood and beyond with car stuff from howstuffworks.com
2: and welcome to Car Stuff. I'm Scott. <laughs> ben, big start to the show.
3: Yeah, hi. Uh, I'm Ben. We're here, of course, with our uh, with our super producer, uh, Noel Cannonball Brown. Cannonball, is that a new one? I like it. All right, and uh, and you'll notice that I had a little bit of a booming laugh today, and that ladies and gentlemen, is part of a tribute to one of my favorite shows
2: that was ever on the air, at least here in the U.S. Absolutely, Car Talk. Car Talk. And uh, and we enjoyed that show immensely, and we have for decades, really, both of yeah. us, you know, not not here at work or anything like that, but, you know, on a, in our own private lives uh, from, geez, when was it? Probably back in the early 1990s for me. Yeah. Um, when yeah was probably it a little,
3: little later for me because... I was listening
2: more, uh, when I started driving. Yeah. Well, that's exactly what happened with me as well. Yeah. I mean, I think, uh, the, the first place I heard about the Car Talk Show was, um, like an, an old girlfriend's parents were listening to it or something. Oh, yeah. You told me this story. And they, they suggested it. They said, they said, hey, you know, you, you got to listen to these guys. These are hilarious. They're really, really funny. And it was at the time a brand new show, you know, is well, brand new to public radio. Yeah. We should
3: talk about that. So what, what, We'd like to do what you and I talked about, um, with car talk is that we wanted to just take a moment in our show and, and walk through some of the history, some of the, this, uh, the really cool stuff that click and clack have done, mm-hmm. right? Or Tom and Ray. And then maybe, maybe just a few things we enjoyed. We want to, we want to hear from you too. One thing that I would like to point out or get out of the way before we go any further is that occasionally people have. Said maybe not in an official email or something like that, but they have said, "Well, you know, you guys host a car show, so isn't that like a competitor or something like yeah, that?" Yeah, or
2: you must be inspired by them or something like that. You know, Absolutely a- inspired. Oh, for sure, but definitely not. I,
3: you know, not. I never felt like there was a there was a competition because it was just it, for a long time. This show would come on around 10 a.m. on a Saturday morning mm-hmm. down here in Atlanta. And it was just one of my favorite things to flip on and cruise around to because those guys know their stuff and they're good storytellers. I think they're funny. Oh, I do too,
2: absolutely. I think I think everybody thinks they're funny, really. I don't think you can listen to that show and not have a good laugh with them because <laughs> they were always laughing, right? I mean, yeah, yeah, that was one thing about that show is there was just infectious laughter going uh-huh. on. And they had so much fun with it. There was always something fun happening in that studio. And one thing, Ben, that I need to kind of get out there before we get too much farther into this is that I feel like no matter how much we say today, it could never be enough, really. I mean, there's just there's no way to encapsulate their careers in this in this half hour that we're going to talk about them. There's just no way to do it. And it was so much fun. There's so much, uh, I guess, you call it good energy, really. Yeah. Uh, when these guys were on the air, and it was just a, a lot of fun to listen to, and you never knew what they were going to say next. That was the funny part: is that these guys were comedians. Yeah, yeah, and they were skilled. They were they were exceptionally skilled. Oh, mechanics. they
3: were they were kind of the they were exceptionally skilled mechanics. They were also masters of the the Shaggy Dog story or the Diversion, because oh, yeah. you were telling me this great thing that I I hadn't really thought about until I went back and listened to some more stuff. Often, when people call click and clack, the guys are good enough at what they do that they're
2: able to diagnose a problem like that. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think a lot of times that happened that it didn't really require much more than just a few words from the caller to say, here's what's going on. I've got a noise coming from this area. It sounds like this. Right. I think they had it probably figured out at that point in many cases. They were rarely stumped. I mean, it happened occasionally, but it, it rarely happened. But, um, I think that they were they were good enough to understand what was going on. They knew it. And then from that point forward, they were just kind of having fun, just playing around with the caller, Right. Yeah. And they would lead them down a path, you know, that was uh, just, you know, just for hilarity, you know, just for fun. And uh and the audience appreciated that. They appreciated it. The 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 caller appreciated it because it was fun to talk to them. Right. Of course. I can't imagine how much fun it would be to be on the line with them. <laughs> um you'd have to really be quick to think on your feet, you know. Like, uh-huh. You'd probably oh, yeah. do well at it, Ben. Wow, that's really improv. Really you would do really really uh, well at it. I don't I don't think so. Um I'd be self conscious about making the noise because they always ask their listeners to make <laughs> yeah. the noise of the of the problem and that was maybe one of the funniest parts of the whole thing was that you know i'm going to say that over and over again maybe one of the funniest parts but but that was so funny is that they would ask somebody to imitate the noise and they were you know they were just trying to get them to make a silly noise and they would
3: they would always they would inevitably be go oh uh sure okay and then give it their best
2: shot yeah can you do it again did it does it do it around a corner If it if it does what does it sound like then yeah. <laughs> what about on a cold day? What does it sound like on a cold day? Now they, how does it sound when you're accelerating? Yeah, 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 yeah. So they were trying to get them to make a lot of silly noises and, and to talk it up. And there's there's kind of a reason behind that. And we'll we'll get to uh you know the call in procedure we'll get to some of that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's fun. So uh the, let's
3: start with the history.
2: Sure, let's history. go to the history because these guys were on uh I guess not a private station but a local station. Yeah, for yeah. For about ten years prior to ever making it big on uh, on national public radio. Yes sir
3: the story uh the story goes that a uh, little outfit called WBURFM in Boston uh was supposed to have the guys on just to talk
2: about car repairs back in 1977 Yeah 1977 but no one really heard about these guys until about 19 19- 87, uh-huh. uh, when they were asked to do a guest spot on an NPR broadcast for a weekend show, right? Right,
3: yeah, because in their their first thing in 77, they did so well, well, Tom, by himself, did so well uh, that both brothers were asked to come back and do their own show. They did it every week for like 10 years almost. Yeah. And then...
2: Um, and they had 11,500 listeners, which is actually pretty good for a small market. Oh, for, yeah. For yeah. a small radio station. But when, you know, like as we get later in the career, when around 2012, when they stopped making new episodes, they were up to 3.3 million listeners. They grew from, you know, 11,500 listeners. And that was after 10 years of being on the radio. Right. Up to 3.3 million uh, just, you know, a few decades later. So NPR came to him and said, hey, we want you to do this show. And
3: then that's how for most people the legend of car talk began yeah and that
2: was only after a guest spot in 1987 on uh, i think it was called uh, a show called weekend edition uh-huh. uh, with yeah. npr and just kind of wanted them to contribute to uh, her weekly program this was uh, susan stanberg and i think it was about nine months later when npr went to them and said hey we'd like you guys to do your own show yeah uh, are you going to do it and they said of course we're going to do it that'd be a great <laughs> opportunity but they continued to work in their garage while they produced car talk so they have this. Uh, they have an actual shop, a physical location, or they had right because they, they were do. mechanics way before they were doing uh, car talk. Yeah, very skilled mechanics, yeah. as we said, they really know their stuff. And it's called the Good News Garage, and it's in Cambridge, Massachusetts. <laughs> That's a funny name, right? Yeah, Good oh, News, yeah. the Good News Garage. I would go there if uh, if I was around. I think the uh, Good News Garage that, that sounds like a place I'd go. Um, and in addition to running the radio show, or you know, being on the radio show. Uh, Tom also wrote for cartalk.com and he ran his own consulting business. Well, all that was happening as well. So oh, it was wow. a busy guy. And a lot of
3: people might not know the extent of car talks, I guess, reach. It expanded into all sorts of, all sorts of stuff. I just want to mention it briefly. Uh, let's see. Uh, they did, they had an animated show called as the wrench turns, <laughs> click and clacks as the wrench turns, uh, they had, uh, they had even got a, uh, musical going. Uh, Car Talk the Musical, written and directed by a guy named Wesley Savick.
2: Hmm. I'm uh, skeptical of this one, Ben.
3: It was at Suffolk Uni- University in 2011. Not Broadway, but not bad. I'm
2: sure it was a lot of fun, but, uh, but I'm skeptical of a musical based on a, a radio call in show to fix cars. Oh, that's one other thing. You know what? We keep, you know, kind of getting sidetracked here, yeah, but yeah. but, um, the idea of this, I mean, the, 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 the initial thought process behind this whole thing, it must have been so strange to say, we're going to have people call in yeah. and describe the problem and we're going to give them a, a diagnosis. We're going to, we're going to tell them what's going on. Yeah. Live on the radio. How's that going to work? Is that even going to be possible? Because you and I know that when you call a mechanic and you ask them, you know, what do you think that problem is? Or uh, can you maybe tell me how much that's going to cost? They can't even do that. They can't even give you like a, a rough estimate over the phone. They can't, They, they always, always tell you, you've got to bring it in and we've got to look at it in order to find out what's, what's exactly going on. Uh This goes right against that. This is saying, just tell us on the phone what's going on. We'll, we'll, we'll point you in the right direction. And then you take that information to your mechanic and hopefully they, they they pointed you in the right direction. But, um, it was a, a pretty radical idea, I think. I mean, to say that we're going to diagnose cars over the phone. Yeah. Over the, over the radio live, as you said.
3: And people uh, may have responded. We'll never know exactly what the producer said behind closed doors, but they may have responded with, "You must be joking," which was fortunate for them to say because the the second thing that Car Talk was about was humor, mm-hmm. was fun, right? And so um, the the show would open with a comedy section. But I, I wonder when people started calling in. You know what I mean? Like sure.
2: Do you have some more of that process? I do. I have the uh, the call-in procedure, and it's pretty interesting, really, because, you know, you would hear them say that, you know, during the show, they would say that you could call the telephone number. It's 1-888-CAR-TALK, and you'd be connected to a 24-hour answering service, so you're not actually calling into the show as it's happening live, although I bet that's when the phone lines are flooded. They probably thought they could, right? Yeah.
0: If you use paper, you're a human, but if you choose paper, you're a paper-tarian.
2: So he would actually call into a 24 hour answering service and then they would get like something like 2000 uh, queries each week. You know, people wanting to talk to uh, to Ray and Tom and all 2000 of these would be screened by the car talk staff, you know, during that uh, during that following week or whatever. And the questions would be unknown to the brothers. They wouldn't have any idea because they didn't want any kind of, uh, you know, advanced knowledge of what was coming. Right. Um, no spoilers. And, and the one reason was because they said that would require researching the right answer, which is what? <laughs> work. Right. They don't want to do that extra work, right? Because they just wanted it to be kind of on the fly. And it was, it was actually a lot more fun that way. So they really didn't have any advanced knowledge of what was coming on that show. The producers might know what's coming, but. Yeah,
3: but it's not fake, like, uh, you know, a a faith healer pretending to hear the voices of someone.
2: No, it's nothing like that. I mean, so this is actually legit. It's just that they have such a huge volume that they had to have some way to control it. Mm -hmm. And also, I know that those producers were picking through the people that they felt would be good on air. And I know that was happening because uh, they would select and contact the callers several days ahead of the show's Wednesday taping to arrange the segment. So they would set up a time for them to call in when they were recording, when they are in the studio. And the caller would you know just briefly speak to the producer for a short amount of time and really not be given a whole lot of of uh, coaching other than just being told to prepare to talk. uh you know, don't use any kind of written preparations. so don't like try sure. to be reading notes while you're talking to them because it'll sound like you're reading. yeah, you just wing it right. And yeah. then also the um the last bit of information that they told him was just to have fun with it. you know once you're on air. Just go with it. Whatever those guys do, just kind of uh, just kind of roll with it and have fun. And
3: that's why so many of the callers seem so receptive and in a good
2: mood and stuff because they weren't calling right as their car broke down. Exactly right. So they weren't like uh, under pressure on the side of the road or something right, like that. Yeah. You know, trying to make a decision immediately. Mm-hmm. Um, they had a little bit of time. And the thing is that they would also record... More callers than they had time to air each week, so that they could then choose the best of the best. You know, so that if there was someone who wasn't quite as, uh, um, I guess, receptive to the ideas sure. that they had, or you know, said something inappropriate, maybe, or someone who was a "Don't tell me, I'll tell you." Yeah, that kind of thing, and you could just kind of weed that out so that the show remained fun and it never lost, you know, the uh, the true aspect. It was always true. I mean, those guys were really diagnosing cars for people. Or yeah, it's never, never fake. Never fake. diagnosing problems for them. Never fake. And they would do it live, as you said, you know, on the fly, and they were really good at it. I mean, they, they really would uh, pretty much pinpoint exactly what the problem was just based on the uh, the sound of the ailing car that, the, uh, that <laughs> right, the that the person right. would make, um, and you know, the description that went along with it. But uh, more fun than that was always the stories that went along with the with the uh, with the problem, right? Because sometimes the callers themselves would be. Would just
3: have these great stories about how this happened and and one thing I loved is you found especially as a as a cheap newer driver, one thing I always loved from the moment I started listening to the show was how easy it was to to hear somebody's progression of what they would put up with in a car, you know, mm-hmm. just like the old story about slowly boiling frogs or mm-hmm. whatever at first, the window started to mess up right it just wouldn't roll up as quickly Mm -hmm. then it went dead so they put uh you know they put tape over it and then the door fell off or it won't close so they put up a a little plastic uh plastic clothes hanger Mm -hmm. to just secure it inside and
2: of course the guys all all along are making comments about each one of the each step in the process yeah exactly what you should have done or what was funny about it or you know maybe a better suggestion for a better type of plastic Right, or yeah, something yeah. like that. Yeah, you know? like, uh, just you got to use wire hangers. So, so funny things, and you know, like they they had they would just throw all these jokes in that were directed at the caller and at themselves, and it was all good fun. It was good it natured was, fun, and right? was mainly often at themselves. Yeah, they would they would have a lot of self deprecating humor that they would throw in there as well. You know, just to kind of keep themselves a little bit humble. You know, to show that you know they weren't just picking on callers. They weren't letting Hollywood get to them. And whenever they got stumped, they would always attempt to uh, to kind of you know, provide an answer in some way. You know, they would. uh they would, um, you know, give them an answer, but they would always say this, and it was, it became the official motto of the show. Unencumbered by the thought process is how they would, uh, how they lead yeah, in with yeah, this, yeah. you know, like, uh, like, um, we, we know this isn't probably right, but, uh, we're gonna give you an answer anyways, and, and do with it what you will. Right. But, uh, it was, yeah. it was so funny how they would just, they would, they would also kind of pick on themselves during the phone call, and it was, it was really great. It was good to see them back and forth, and you could picture brothers talking like this. You know, oh, uh, I'm sure. you know the, the the sibling rivalry thing.
3: Yeah, yeah, they they would push at each other, pick at each other a little bit. Celebrities also called in, you know, like uh, actors, uh, like Gina Davis. Astronauts called in. Astronauts uh, called in. John Grunsfeld, get this, got called from the space shuttle. No kidding. Yeah, that's pretty cool, Ben. I, I still marvel at the fact that that's even possible. Yeah, I, I don't get it. I mean, cell phones themselves are just strange if you think about I it. I mean, there are corners of my
2: house that if I go to, I can't get a signal. Yeah. You know, it's not, it's not a big house either. It's just, there's just a bad signal in that corner of the house. And these guys are on the space shuttle and yet they can get a phone call into a radio station in Massachusetts. Well, have you tried calling space? <laughs> I have not tried calling space. I mean, check have your, you. check your roaming charges first <laughs> or your data plan. Yeah, well, I would assume that's uh that, that falls into, uh, like a, a travel. Category. Yeah, it's a travel category yeah, for yeah.
3: sure. There's one other story, though, that I wanted to tell you about callers. Okay. Okay, just just a brief one. So they had that call from the space station, right? Yeah. Well, one day, and you can read about this online everywhere, Uh, one day, uh, Click and Clack got a call uh, with someone asking for advice on how to winterize an electric car. You heard this one? Uh, No, I have not. Okay, so they asked what kind of car it was. Yeah. And the person on the phone tells them it's a kit car. That costs four hundred million dollars. What? Four hundred million dollar kit car that's electric. So it's like a prank call from okay. Jet Propulsion Laboratory about how to get the Mars rover ready. Oh, brother! Okay, that's, that's, pretty, that's a pretty good one. Oh, it's pretty good. That yeah. is funny, yeah. Uh, so electric um, car. Huh. So yeah. So humor is part of it, and they have they have all these great segments, right? There's there's the puzzler, um, which is probably is that one of your favorites.
2: Yeah, I think it is. I, I like the puzzler. I can, I almost could never figure out the puzzler. It was always difficult. I and mean, it, it wasn't always something related to a car. No, uh, no. It or. seemed like you would have to uh, really sit down and really, really work at the problem in order to fix it or to figure it out, rather. Yeah.
3: And uh, Tom could never remember last week's puzzler because mm. they always brought up um, – they always brought up like the – here's the answer to last week's mm-hmm. – uh, last week's question and here's a new one. And And Ray typically – did the puzzlers sure uh and they had another segment called uh stump the chumps because they would follow up on these
2: calls remember yeah. that oh yeah yeah see if uh, their diagnosis was correct mm-hmm. so they would bring back uh callers that had called previously and would say well how do we do how do we uh how do we fare with that diagnosis and if they uh if they did well there would be fanfare and <laughs> if uh, if they didn't there would be you know the uh the sad trumpets i guess
3: right wah, wah, wah. Mm-hmm. Um, so one of my favorite segments of the show uh at least as far as the the humor stuff goes mm-hmm. it's always at the very end when uh ray would start thanking all the people who made the show possible yeah the credits the,
2: the staffers right and the uh the non-staff members
3: right like they, they would say stuff like uh take uh, uh we'd like to thank our the following people who make this show possible it would be stuff like customer care representative Hey, would you buzz off? <laughs> uh, you know, and it, it's so. There's it like, always puns, right? Yeah, meteorologist
2: Claudio overnight stuff was clever. I, I mean, it really was. And I, they would do they would do fake commercials for fundraisers. Uh-huh. Uh huh. They had all kinds of just fun things that you had to kind of be listening carefully because otherwise you would think they're throwing in real sponsorships. If you weren't, if you're just kind of halfway paying attention, but you knew from these two guys what to expect, so you were listening carefully for. For those type of uh, you know little little jokes thrown in here and there.
0: If you use paper, you're a human. But if you choose paper, you're a papertarian. someone who lives a paper-based lifestyle because it has a positive impact on the planet, and also because it's the easiest choice you'll make all day. Seriously, it's as easy as reaching for boxed instead of bottled water. It's as easy as opting for beauty products that come in paper packaging. It's as easy as grabbing eggs in a cardboard container. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian.
1: You're a growing business, which means you need every spare hour you can find. That's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Start a call instantly in huddles and ditch cumbersome calendar invites. Or build an automation with Workflow Builder to take routine tasks off your plate. No coding required. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started.
4: Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry.
3: website and see the staff credits read them carefully
2: yeah definitely yeah. what about the uh, the halves of the show remember there are three halves to the show yeah uh, it's because yeah, three halves i think that initially it was like there was a, a commercial <laughs> break that broke the show into two parts so it was the right. first half and the second half and then later they went to a format where there were three commercial or two commercial breaks breaking the show into thirds so they joked jokingly referred to it as the first half the second half and the third half of the show and they would always do the puzzler, I think, in the third half of the show. Uh huh. Yeah, kind of funny, clever. clever. Uh-huh. Do that. <laughs> these guys were always having fun. I mean, and it was just—it uh, was a good time to listen to them. It's almost as if you were overhearing them sitting in their office at the shop, talking yeah. back and forth. Maybe even if a customer walked in. Yeah, it's it says, just kind of a slow afternoon. That's, that's always the way I pictured this. I never pictured it as they were sitting in a studio or anything like that. I no. always, I always thought of them as. Sitting behind a desk, or, you know, maybe one's in a chair in front of the desk, and then a customer walks in and says, Hey, I've got this, um, you know, 1995 Honda Civic that's, uh, mm-hmm. it's making this noise. It's kind of a whirring noise. Um, but, uh, they say, Well, what does it sound like? And they would do it. It just, it felt more like a conversation being held in the office of their garage to me.
3: Yeah. And this, this is a good time for us to point out, too, that these guys, are super smart. They were not knuckleheads at all. Oh no! Uh, Ray had a bachelor uh, of science, I believe, Yeah, from, uh, from MIT. Right, and Tom had several degrees. Yeah, also he, from MIT, economics, MIT. Uh, he had an MBA and a DBA from
2: uh, Boston University as well. Yeah, yeah, and these guys even gave a commencement speech at their alma mater. Right? I mean, yeah. for uh, what it was in 1999? I believe mm-hmm. when they were when they were asked to speak um to the graduating class of mit uh that's that's a pretty big deal to be called back to your school to be uh to be the the, you know the, the, the key speaker there yeah i mean yeah it's a big honor yeah and that's partially because
3: these guys uh this show was such an inspiration you know people who would say i don't even like cars but i like click and clack would tune in millions of them and now, Scott, as sad as it may be, I believe it's time that we talk about why we're doing the Car Talk tribute at all. Why are we – uh
2: what happened, man? Well, obviously, they're no longer on the air. I mean, but you wouldn't guess that. I mean, I think a lot of people up until just – um uh, when was it? Just last year uh
3: uh-huh. um, they were still doing uh, new episodes yeah
2: yeah until late last year people thought that they were uh, they were doing brand new episodes but they've been in reruns for a long long time now since yeah. about 2012 uh, when they stopped doing new episodes and that was because um, Tom Magliozzi had uh, had Alzheimer's mm-hmm. and uh, they decided that you know around 2012 it just wasn't possible to continue on with the show um, and all the other things that he was doing he was just such a busy guy up until that point. Um, he was unable to uh, to continue on as host and uh, they couldn't do it. But the uh, the producer said, well, you know, what? we've got enough best of material that um, <laughs> from, you know, the past 25 years that if we kind of remix these, repurpose these, we could do the best of and kind of keep it all fresh. You know, by mixing it up, we have enough material here that we could do eight years of shows without any repeats. Right. Yeah. Eight years, so it's still new stuff. Yeah, yeah, and the uh, yeah, and that producer, his name is um, Doug, uh, the Subway Fugitive Berman, as they as they called him, right? right? But he was very complimentary about the brothers, and he said, um, you know, by being entirely themselves without pretense, Tom and Ray single-handedly showed that real people are far more interesting than canned radio announcers. And uh he was just complimentary to them all along. I mean and I know that they appreciated him as well because they talked about him often during the show. Oh yeah.
3: They talk about him in the in the history of car talk, which you find on the website where they say uh they they say, um Berman is a real radio professional, so you can understand why we never clicked. He's great company though, and every now and then we do take a piece of his advice. For example, just last month, we made sure that we're in the building at least five minutes before we go on the air. <laughs>
2: <laughs> That's very, very wise. Yeah. All right. And and Berman, he goes on to say um, about the brothers, he said, these guys are, are culturally right up there with Mark Twain and the Marx Brothers. They will stand the test of time. People will still be enjoying them years from now. They're that good. So, I mean, you can see that, uh, that they had a close relationship, obviously. I mean, they, sure. they kidded each other back and forth, just like the brothers did on the show and with everybody else. It seems like. Everybody was having a good time on the show. I don't think uh, I don't think there was bad blood anywhere in the whole program, really.
3: Mm, No, I don't think so. It's all you know. It's all like you have brothers. You know how it is. It's all uh, back and forth. uh, Who can (laughs) who can be the biggest
2: smartass? Maybe you know it would Mm -hmm. be tough to work with your brother for that long. I mean, for that. I mean, because they were they were seeing each other outside of work. Yeah. Um. At this at the studio to do this show. You would think that at a point they would be tired of each other, but these guys never seem like that. They always seem to really enjoy each other's company, and they had a good time when they were together. Yeah, and their adventures went on
3: to take them to the Letterman Show, the Evening News and several places the Today Show, 60 Minutes, they wrote a book. They did a newspaper column for mm-hmm. a long
2: time. Yeah, yeah, and like I said, you know, people didn't have any idea, you know, between 2012 and 2014 that they were in reruns. A lot of people didn't. And so in late 2014, uh, there, was some, there was some bad news. November 3rd of 2014 at age 77, that's when uh, that's when Tom Magliosi passed away. Uh, complications from alzheimer's and uh, i'm sure that it was in some ways expected in some ways not expected of course you know there's never a good time for this to happen obviously but
3: yes but the legend of car talk lives on you can find uh stories about the guys you can you can listen to stuff about their history check out their books and their website and their episodes and if you have not listened to this show yet Please check it out. It yeah. really is one of our favorite shows, and I know this is such a fanboy podcast, but um, I,
2: yeah, I kind of grew up with these guys. Go to the site and subscribe and, and listen to all those podcasts because they're really worth it. I mean, it's so much fun, and it doesn't have to be modern. It doesn't have to be brand new. And it doesn't matter if people are calling in talking about a 1995 uh, Toyota Corolla or whatever it is that they're talking about, You know, even if it's a decade old. It doesn't matter. It's still good fun to listen to. And it's just fun to hear the the two brothers laughing and having a good time with each other and the callers and the producer. And it's just it's a lot of fun. It's a great show. I don't know if we can say enough about it, Ben, really. I mean, honestly, I feel like we haven't done it justice, but I don't know if we really can. Like I said, in in a half hour, like we we have. You're absolutely right, Scott. Uh, But
3: what better way for our listeners to learn more about car talk than to check it out for yourself. And guys, we hope you enjoyed this episode uh as much as we did. We hope you're uh, as ardent a fan of car talk as we are right in and, and let us know like what one of your favorite car stories was yeah. or jokes.
2: Or specifically, what did you like about the show? Was your favorite part, the puzzler was your favorite part, you know, the jokes the credits, at the beginning, yeah. the credits, or was it just uh, the noises that the people would make? What is it? I mean, it, what is it about that show that, that gripped you because it is gripping. I mean, I, I, if I was tuning through the radio stations and, and I heard that, I would have to stop and listen to the rest of the show. It's one of those things. So I think at this point, Scott, uh, instead of doing our usual,
3: uh, our usual call to go find us on the internet somewhere,
2: I think there's only one way to end this show. Yeah, there's only one thing to say. Don't drive like Ben. Don't drive like Scott.
4: For
1: more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. Let us know what you think. Send an email to podcast at HowStuffWorks.com.
3: This episode brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Director Wes Ball breathes new life into the epic franchise. As a ruthless king attempts to build his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape begins a journey to fight for a future for apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Enter the kingdom in IMAX this Friday and theaters everywhere. Get tickets now.
0: Viking. Committed to exploring the world in comfort. Journey through the heart of Europe on an elegant Viking longship with thoughtful service, cultural enrichment, and all-inclusive fairs.